you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here, super excited. Uh, another LinkedIn Live with someone I dearly admire. Uh, we're going to have Whitney Johnson. Uh, I've been following her work probably for over a year now. And I think in the last three months, I think her message around positive disruption, disrupting yourself and building an A-team when, when things are in crisis, I think is more important and more relevant than any other message that I'm seeing right now. So I'm a huge fan of her work. And I just pinged her a few days ago and said, hey, would you be open to coming on LinkedIn Live? And she graciously said, yeah, why not? So I'm just going to pop her into the screen in, in a minute. So a few things, folks. This is a fantastic time for you to just get settled in, uh, get your questions ready, share that. We're going to just dive into some heartfelt conversations. It's going to be raw. It's going to be real. We're going to keep it, keep it totally like I'm going to f- look at the feed. So if I'm not looking at the camera, I'm looking at the feed. So if you have any questions, just pop in your questions. Uh, we just want to have just honest, open conversation and ultimately walk away with what do we need to do? How do we need to feel in this conversation that's happening right now between with Zoom calls and everything across the globe? So here we go. Hey, Whitney, how are you doing? Hi, Sangram. How are you doing? I am fantastic. So good to have you. Thank you so much for joining. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. All right. So, well, first of all, uh, let me just try to introduce you. As I I wrote down, like because that, your bio is like so phenomenal. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to embarrass you for a second. You were here, okay. and then and then we'll go better. So, for the people who are living under the rock, uh, Whitney Johnson. By the way. She told me in this early conversation before I introduced that I have a Southern accent. So I'm going to have you guys see if I really do have a Southern I'm accent. everybody, he has a Southern accent. Like, I'm like, you're the, first, you're the first person who told me that. Now, I did go to University of Alabama, but gosh, I never thought I actually picked up on that accent part of it. So uh, put in your comments if you agree with Whitney or not and, and share where you're from. So Whitney um, is one of the top 50 leading business thinkers in the world. In 2019, uh, she was ranked number three on as a global guru for top 30 organizational culture professional, which, which I believe right now, organizational culture is a big topic, is a big idea. And a lot of people, I used to think that culture is something where we have free food and bean bags and great table, ping pong tables. And I've realized now through my own experience at Terminus that no, Culture is almost having a shared value that brings the organization together and galvanizes them regardless of what the themes and circumstances are. Um, She has written several books. Two of my favorites are Building an A-Team. You got to check it out and then Disrupt Yourself because I think this is the time to disrupt yourself. And then finally, uh, again, as I said, I'm going to embarrass you here a little bit. You have over 1.7 million followers on LinkedIn. What the heck is that? Like, that is incredible. I didn't know even there was a count like that on the, in the LinkedIn world. So anyway, Whitney, so excited to have this conversation with you. Oh, well, Sangren, thank you for that lovely introduction. 
And I'm still waiting for everybody to put the comments. Does he have a Southern accent or not? Yes, tell him that he does. And then it's really cute. So there you go. I'm actually going to start looking at it um, in a second. So let's start with, with like just the basic. How are you doing? How's your family doing? How are you going through this time? Oh, that's a, such a great question. Um, we are doing fine. I, I think, um, I think so my husband's healthy. I'm healthy. My daughter, my son or yeah, all four of us. Um, we know a few people that have been, have contracted the virus to this point. Fortunately, all of them have been able to come through on the other side. I think the big challenge is that even though we're all physically healthy, the challenge for us and everybody else is to get through all of what's happening um, to the extent that you you are physically healthy is how do you move through this emotionally and um, and psychologically and yeah. financially and all of those um, pieces of it. So so even in that area, we're fine. But I think, you know, initially when this happened, we kind of went through that checklist. OK, we're probably not going to get sick because of you know where we've been and haven't been. But what does that mean for our, for us financially? And how are we going to do that emotionally? Like, are we going to let the fear overtake us? And we could talk about more, of this, more about this later. But I think that's the bigger game here or the game of foot, if you will, is how do we make sure that we don't give into the fear of what's happening around us? So true. So true. Earlier today, I was on a, on a panel with a good friend of mine, Ricardo. He had Steve Cochran, you might know Steve Cochran. He is the co-founder of Giant Worldwide. They they do global leadership events. Okay. And, and then there was another lady, um, Dr. Sangi, I think, from Singapore. And so he he pulled together like diverse group from Singapore, from Europe, from North America and India, and was trying was having a global conversation around how are people. And one of the things people talked about in that is that. They really, everybody was most concerned with, that was one of the questions, was around the fact that how would our kids react to this 10, 20 years from now? What kind of things? And, and the point I think everybody was trying to make was like, it actually depends on us, the parents, of how we handle this situation. Do we handle with panic? Do we handle with fear? Do we handle with hope? Um, so I'm curious to get your thoughts because you have older kids, like 1923, yeah. and how you're thinking. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's such a great question. And it, it's interesting. I think every generation has their thing. Um, I know for me, I grew up in that, you know, post Cold War era. And I, it's fascinating for me because when I talk to a lot of people who grew up in the 60s and 70s, they'll say things like, I was afraid that the world was going to come to an end. You know, we had to do um, drills where we would hide under our desks for the bomb shelters because the world was going to go up in a nuclear bomb. And I suspect that one of the things that the children of our generation will be afraid of is that they're going to get somehow get a virus and 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 mm-hmm. be affected by that. So I think every generation has their thing that they're afraid of. Um, but to your point, um, Absolutely. How we as the adults in the world comport ourselves and what our approach is, that will that will determine 90 percent of what happens. You know, you say this idea of one thing that I've said a lot is we dream so our children can dream. And, you know, if our children see us dream, if our children see us move forward with hope for the future, then they will believe that the future is hopeful. If they see us be fearful and um, give in to the fear that is trying to hijack our brains every single moment of the day, they still may be fearful, but the odds that they won't be go up exponentially. So it very much is if we don't want to feel 
um, courageous and hopeful for the future ourselves. We need to do it for the, the people around us because there is a huge contagion effect and our children absolutely follow our lead. Well, I love that. I wrote it down. We dream so our children can dream. I, I love that. I love that point. You have a personal disruption framework. Yes. <clears throat> and I've seen you share that a few times through your LinkedIn Live. By the way, if you were, if you like this LinkedIn Live, you're going to love what Whitney does. She does a LinkedIn Live, I believe, twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, right? Correct. Correct. At 9 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. 9 a.m. So. Eastern. Just follow her. It's, it's incredible. She, she does a really good job. And, and the engagement on that one is just, just phenomenal. And I love how you engage with people and really directly answer some of those questions. I think recently you shared, I don't know if it was today or recently, but you shared, reshared your framework yes. uh, around, uh, around personal disruption. Could you give like a quick plug of like what that framework is? And then I want to really dive into a couple of elements of that framework so people can, can really absolutely themselves. Yeah. So, and I can even show you a picture if you want, but I'll just give you a little bit of the history because the history makes it more yeah. interesting. So I, um, in my, in a prior life, not real life, but you know what I mean? I worked on wall street and, um, I was covering emerging markets, telecom and media and covering stocks like American mobile and Telmex. And one of the big ahas that I had, so this is like early two thousands is that every single quarter I would have, I would build my financial model and I'd say, here's what's going to happen with the wireless companies like American mobile. The numbers are going to be X. And then every single quarter, the numbers were two X and three X. And with the wireline companies, I'd say the numbers are going to be X. And then they were 0.7 X. I'm like, what is going on? Like every quarter they're beating my numbers. And then I came across this book called the innovators dilemma by Clayton Christensen. And when I read that book, I said, ah, now I understand what is happening. Wireless is disrupting wireline. It gave me a framework to be able to make a mental model to be able to understand what was happening in the world. So this is like, like I said, 2004. But as the more I read that book, I had another aha, which was that disruption wasn't just about products and services and companies and even countries. So like Singapore is a company or country that has been disruptive. Uh, It's also about people. And so I had that big aha and it was really part of what led me to leave wall street and become an entrepreneur. And then eventually co-found the disruptive innovation with Clayton disruptive innovation fund with Clayton Christensen because I realized that in order for me to do whatever it was, I felt like I was meant to do in life. And I think we all have that feeling of there's something I'm meant to do. It yeah. didn't mean that I was going to be able to stay where I was. And so I needed to disrupt myself, leave Wall Street and become an entrepreneur. And so it was that, that was the kernel of this idea that this framework could also be applied, not just to companies, but to people. And so the framework is... And if you think about it, just from a high level perspective of what we're going through right now is that the only way for us to manage through change, the only way for us to manage through upheaval and chaos, when everything is being disrupted around us, is if we are willing to disrupt ourselves. If we are willing to say, I was made not to be acted upon, but to act. And so here's the seven point framework at a very high level. Number one is to take the right kinds of risks. So oftentimes we think about competitive risk, big market, huge opportunity, projections to prove it, I'm going to go after that. But then you're taking on competitive risk because there's a lot of competitors. Market risk, 
We don't know if there's a market. We don't know, but we think there's a problem that needs to be solved and we can solve it. So we go after that. Now, it feels kind of scary because we don't know if there's a market, but we know from the theory of disruption that the odds of success are six times higher when we are willing to go through the uncertainty involved with market risk. So that's the first step of disruption. And what does it mean for us right now? It basically means that there's fear in our brain competing for shelf space. And we say, no, 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 I'm going to create. I'm going to think, what will the future look like? I am hopeful for the future. And you even say those words, it sounds kind of silly, but there's so much power in our words. And we know that from the research. I'm hopeful for the future. What am I going to create? That's taking the right risk. For, and so it's, it's ingesting ideas that will allow you to feel hopeful and create. So amateurs compete and professionals create. So that's first. I love that amateurs compete and professionals professionals create. You think about your, anybody who's listening to this, if you think about your career, if you think about any business you've ever built, you're only going to really build something when you're in create mode. Now you have to compete sometimes, but you're only going to really build when you're in create mode. And what's so exciting about right now is that there are so much opportunity for us to play where no one else is playing, to create, because there's wide open spaces and there's all these gaps. And so if we can say, okay, I understand that there's a piece of me that's a little bit afraid, but I'm just not going to pay attention to it. I won't pay attention to the piece of me that's going to create. So that's the first one, first step. Well, I mean, I don't know if you can get to even number two, because this itself has... So, so, you know, right before we started, we talked about uh, a little bit about Terminus and when we started and category in general, uh, and I was sharing with you about Flip My Funnel, yep. you're just reminding me of the fact that we went in and wanted, we didn't want it to be because we do digital advertising is kind of part of our core. Right. We didn't want to. I remember fighting. I remember fighting with G2, which absolutely, I love the company. I love, I know the CEO. He was on LinkedIn Live, go to really well. The CMO, I'm good friends with all of them. But I remember fighting with them five years ago when they said, all right, we're going to take Terminus and put them in this digital advertising box. I'm like, no, 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 no. We are account-based marketing. This is a new way to market. We want to go after account, not leads. We don't want to be a digital market. We're not doing advertising everywhere on billboards. We are doing targeted advertising. So I went through this whole thing. They did not have this category. So I said, don't even put us on the map. I would rather be not on the map than be on the map and be mispositioned into something and try to compete at a completely different level. We're not even having that conversation. It took me six months to get them to accept that account-based marketing was a category and then create it. And for that, I actually... This is funny. Uh, I'll bounce off because what you shared, I wrote it down. This is so good. I remember I called uh, one of the competitors um, who were not even in North America at that time and said, hey, look, you are doing account-based marketing. You like it or not. You want it or not. That's what you're doing. I want you to come and speak at a conference that we're putting together called Flip My Funnel. And let's all of us talk about account-based marketing as a category. So I literally gave our competitors a stage in order for this, for media and analysts and all these things to look at and see that, hey, look, this is a real thing because nobody was paying attention to it until it became so. 
So you're so right. Like I think competing and creating are completely different muscles. Right. Completely different muscles. So I love that. And and what's great about that is so you just talked about this whole idea of how do you create. And what's wonderful about this framework is that you can apply it for anybody who's listening to a company. You can apply it to your team, but then you can also apply it to your career. And so think about compete versus create in your career. Compete is when you take a role inside of a company and there's someone else who already, already thinks it's their job to do whatever it is you were hired to do. And now you've just taken on competitive risk and there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. And it's probably the incumbent. And you don't want to take that job. That's competitive risk. So what you want when you're looking and taking a job is to say, is there anybody, anyone here who thinks it's their job to do the job that I was just hired to do? Mm -hmm. And if there isn't, then you're taking on market risk and you've got an Mm -hmm. opportunity, a shot to make it work really well. So there's the company piece that you just described with Terminus. There's the career piece when you take a job. And then there's the more um, sort of proximate or sort of especially relevant to us right now is what is going on in our head. And are we, as you've got, you know, fear and hope, what are we giving space to? And fear is the competitive. We're all going after these scraps because there's a lot fewer resources or it feels like there are today than there were yesterday. That's fear, fear, fear. Or are we going to go hope? What are we going to create? And yes, this is a really hard time, but history has proven that what can happen after this is going to be magnificent if we're in that place where we can create. And that's where we want our heads to be. Take the right risks. I love this. I love this on so many levels. Wonder. They're right over 10 million uh, folks who have applied for unemployment right mm-hmm. now. Right. Um, there are, uh, I had uh, Brian Miles, who, who was the, uh, the CEO of Belay. They do virtual assistance and they've been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. He was sharing a story about himself. And he said he and his wife in 2008, when crisis were there in 2008, uh, people have forget- Some people have forgotten about that. No, that was a real crisis, uh, dep- depending on where you are in your personal life, journey and career. And they took money out of their 401k and started this company called for called Belay. And in the last 10 years, they have grown it to a point where they're not, not they're owning it, not running it. They then put a new CEO in place and now they're going in different things. So I had him to share, well, what did it feel like? And one of the things he talked about was like, most people may not recognize this, but this is probably the opportunity for a lifetime that they were waiting for. This is the kick that they were waiting for that somebody give them. Like, do you believe that? Like, do you see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that I have, I, I have this working hypothesis, and I've said this for a very, well, a long time. I don't know, a long time, a couple of years, is um, I've been fired from a job and we can talk more about this later. But this notion of uh, my hypothesis is, is that every single time that people, not every time, most of the time when people lose a job, whether they're laid off or they're fired, what has happened is that they are t- at the top of their S curve of learning. So this is one of my frameworks, this S curve of learning. They are at that top. Mm. Or they're on the wrong curve, one or the other. They know, they know that it is time for them to jump. They know it. Deep in their gut, they know it. And they won't do it. And so the universe gives them a nudge. 
And so this now, basically what's happened is for everybody on the planet who was at the top of that S curve in some form or fashion and asking themselves, should I jump to a new S curve or should I stay here? Should I stay or should I go? No choice. We've all been pushed. We are now here at the bottom of a new S curve. And like you just said, I love the quote of this guy from Belay of this. We're all here. This is the opportunity we've been waiting for. And this is going to separate people out. And it's so exciting also for people who work for you. You're going to have some people who are going to take this and they're just going to be like, go. And they're going to be your leaders. And you're going to have other people who are like, I don't know what to do. And they're going to fall behind. And so you're going to have to help them move forward. But yeah, it's when we can get through this, it's going to be exciting. So beautiful, right? I think so. The lot everybody who's listening. Hey, Cheryl, Ryan, Andy, Nicholas, Stacy. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Um, Erica, good to see you again. Um, Jeff, uh, Leona, hope you're doing good, Leona, because I heard you're not doing well this morning because we were supposed to be on, on an event together. Oh, oh all people, yeah, like she. I mean, and I and, and we confirmed that she doesn't have any wires and stuff. So let let God be with you and help you in whatever's going on with you over there in Spain. I want to now jump into this idea that you wrote about, which is controlling your emotions won't help you. Here's what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, so we recently had on our, our, our podcast, um, Susan David, you might be familiar with her work and she wrote a book called emotional agility. And so I think one of the things that's really important for us to be aware of right now. And this, this goes again to this idea we've all jumped to the bottom of this new S curve and we're having emotions. Like we get, we, you know, even if you've got lots of good days, you're going to have some bad days. And one of the challenges is that oftentimes we're like, okay, I'm feeling afraid, go away, go away, go away, go away. And that's actually not going to make it any better. It's going to make it worse because the more you try to make it go away, the more it stays there. Because what it's really telling you when it does that, it's saying, I need you to deal with me. Pay attention to me. It's like you've got young children. Um, you know, sometimes they're like, Dad, I want attention. Yes. And if you'll just pay attention to them, then they'll be okay. They'll go back and do their things. And so when we got those emotions, and it's a, it's a delicate balance, right? Because I just said to you, well, don't give too much space to the fear. So it's a matter of just acknowledging it and saying, okay, I see you. I'm afraid. That's giving me information. What do I want to do with this? I want to honor it and I want to validate it. But now that I'm aware of it, now I need to move forward. Mm. Now I need to just say, I see you. We're going to put you here. It's almost like a child, right? Let's just go back to, because I think everybody will understand this. A child saying, dad, 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 give me attention. Okay, one of your daughters, I won't use them because you might want to protect privacy. One of your daughters, and you're saying, okay, honey, I see you. Tell me what's going on. What are you concerned about? What are you excited about? You attend to her. And then you say, okay, honey, now I need to go back and I need to do my work. Mm. But then you can because she's attended to and then move forward. And so if you can use that as an analogy, it's also true with our emotions. And we don't want to quash our emotions because here's the thing. That feeling that we feel, there's a lot of energy behind that. And we want, we want that energy because that energy is what's going to give us the, the momentum and the impetus to move forward as we move up that S curve. Like we need to move up that S curve. We need to have that, 
the energy that comes with that. I love that. You, you mentioned, and before we started recording, you're advising a ton of CEOs, a ton yep. of founders, a ton of private equity folks, uh, yep. companies that are probably looking to either consolidate, fold. There's just so many decisions that are happening right now. And a lot of them are probably driven through emotions yep. um, in some ways. And then there's also very clear financial outcomes that people are looking at. <clears throat> what are the questions you're getting from these leaders that have a tremendous power and influence yeah. to affect change. Yeah, I think the, the, the questions are falling kind of into two buckets. The, the first question is, okay, how do I lead right now? How do I, I know that this has created a lot of uncertainty and I may have a hundred or a thousand or 10,000 people who are now saying to themselves, I feel very uncertain. I feel afraid. I don't know if I'm going to lose my job or not. I don't know what the future is going to look like. And so the first question that real leaders are asking themselves is, how do I help reduce uncertainty for the people around me? And the best way that they do that is by talking and saying, here's what we're seeing. Here's what's happening. We don't have all the answers, but we're going to be able to get through this. We're going to do what any good steward would do. And we're going to cut all of our non-salaried expenses as much as possible. And we're going to, you know, keep our people as long as we possibly can. And oh, by the way, we're going to look for opportunities to generate revenue. Because as we've said earlier, disruption creates opportunity. That market opportunity it may be a business line that you've never thought of. So you're looking for revenue, even as you're helping reduce uncertainty for your people your job is going to be safe as long as we possibly can. So that's the question they're asking is, how do I think about the future, but also in the present, reduce the uncertainty for the people who work for me so they feel safe enough to keep managing and keep working and keep moving forward? Yeah. And what's, what, what is typical advice that you give them as, as, a, as to help them navigate through it? Because majority, if not all of us, I've really not been through this level yeah. of craziness in, in some sort. Uh, but I think there are the, most of us, I mean, I'll, I'll date myself. Like I've gone through 2008. Uh, yeah. Some people have gone through like 2000 and, and 9-11. And so there right. are there are elements of all of these that draw in the fear, anxiety, uncertainty, financial downturn, knowing your 401k is going down, all those things. At the same time, some people came out of that in a completely different side. Right. How are you advising them? What are you, what are you fo- having them focus on? If you want, because there are a lot of, like I'm hearing uh, right. Kim, Kimberly, uh, Mohit, Ryan just mentioned that the child analogy just like hit him home. So thanks for sharing that. Like the, a lot of, there are a lot of founders, there are a lot of CEOs, there are a lot of leaders listening to this yeah. right now. Yeah. And at the same time, there are a lot of managers and individual contributors listening to it and, and struggling. Right. So there, there are two parts to this. And so it's a little bit of this idea of what's happening right now and then what's happening in the future. So managing today and then thinking about the mar- tomorrow, guardrails for today and then accelerants for tomorrow. So the first thing that I'm doing in, in consulting and advising CEOs is just asking them the question, how are you dealing with the stress? Because and just that presumptive close of, yes, of course, there's stress. So how are you dealing with it? And um, being aware that even when we say, oh, no, I'm good, I, I'm good, that stress is going to show up 
because it has to show up. I mean, we are in a very stressful environment right now. And so it's going to, so how are you dealing with that stress? So it might be that you're actually functioning at a, at a very high level, but then you're going to have moments and I'll, I'll give you an example. So, you know, I'm working, everything's good. But then <clears throat> I remember a couple of weeks ago, it was a Saturday afternoon. I had gotten up very early. I had worked all day. Mind you, this is a Saturday. It got yeah. to five o'clock at night. I've now been working since 630 in the morning and had this feeling of tremendous discouragement. I just felt so discouraged. And the reason I felt discouraged is because in my, in my brain, I thought that I would have my checklist and then I would check everything off my checklist. And when I did that, all would be well in the world. I would be in control. Yeah. And then I realized in that moment, and we're never in control. We just oftentimes can delude ourselves into feel like we're in control. I realized I'm really not in control. So, so what I, so that's the first thing that I, I ask people is what are you doing and how are you managing the stress just so that people are aware that it will be there. And the other thing that I bet a lot of people are listening have noticed is that people are dropping balls that don't usually drop the balls that they're dropping. You know, you've got a meeting set up and all of the technology goes wrong. And yet the technology never goes wrong when you're dealing with this person. And those are, there are these cracks in the system that are taking place because there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of stressors out there. So that's the first question I ask. The second one is what, what's your biggest challenge right now? So that again, we're helping them be aware of what's happening and not just trying to power through it and pretend like there's nothing wrong because yeah. there is nothing wrong. So that's getting people to attend to the present and what's happening today. And I think they're good questions to ask for ourselves generally. Then when it comes to, you know, the future, we come back to the framework is how do you take the right kinds of risks? What are you going to create? Then I'll talk about these ideas of, of our strengths. So that's the second step of the framework is play to your distinctive strengths. And the reason that I want people to focus on that is for a couple of reasons is uh, one of the things that's fascinating about us as humans is even though we all have strengths and superpowers, we tend to not want to use our superpowers. And the reason we tend to not want to use them is because they're so easy for us. They're so reflexive for us. We don't actually value them. We don't that value is so them. True. That is we, so true. And so when people compliment us on those strengths, we're like, oh, really? Like, can't you compliment me on something else that's really hard for me to do? And so we just, we dismiss them. And one of the things that will then happen in a situation like right now, because all of us are feeling kind of weakened at a certain level, we want to feel strong. And so those strengths that we tend to dismiss, again, back to the child analogy, we tend to dismiss them. They're not our favorite child. All of a sudden we're like, yeah, they want to come out and play. And we let them come out and play because we need them right now, because we need to feel strong. And so what's exciting about that is that when you're deliberate, then you're going to start to be really successful as you go into the future. Again, this is on a meta level. It's for you as an individual in your own career, but it's also businesses. Because one of the things for you all that are listening for your businesses, we tend to think, well, I want to run a business that does X. But if you really start to analyze your business, you will recognize over time, we have this happen to us. We're like, oh yeah, people hire us to manage through change. Like that was our hypothesis. And then we started to analyze what people were hiring us to do. 
And we realized, oh, the people that are hiring us are high growth organizations with high growth individuals that want to grow faster. That's who's hiring us. So it completely changed. That was our superpower, but we didn't think it was our superpower. So, so number one, focus on the present. What are your big stressors? How are you? Um, what's your big challenge right now? And then number two, start getting them to focus on the future. These guardrails of taking the right risks, playing to your strengths, et cetera. So they're starting to, again, I'm hopeful for the future. What is it going to look like? And you've got this big reset because you've taken a step back. How are you going to slingshot forward? That's accelerant number five. And so what are you going to do with all that? How are you going to move into the future? I love that. And I can hear this conversation. I can see that people want to dig deeper on it, but I know we're trying to keep it to 30 minutes. I'm going to, with your permission, share uh, the seven, the screenshot of oh, the seven-point framework uh, from your like the book and articles that you've written. So yeah, please, absolutely. Go okay. ahead. And actually, um, Sangram, if you want, you can share with everybody. Here's the link. It's WhitneyJohnson.com forward slash calm, C-A-L-M. And what it is, is it's a handout. It walks through all seven of the accelerants or guardrails with podcasts they can listen to, plus um, TED Talks and books that they can read. So they can dig into them. WhitneyJohnson.com slash com. Yeah, that'll be super helpful. I will absolutely put that in the link. And we turn every single one of them into a podcast episode. So we'll make sure that we have that in the podcast show notes as well. So a few things to wrap up, and I want you to share a challenge with everybody that they can take action on today as we go up. A few things to to wrap up on. One, I love this idea of that, hey, look, um, think about are you you competing or creating? Okay. This is your opportunity to to create something. And I, as a, I feel like I'm a dreamer, uh, entrepreneur kind of person. So I look at this as like, and I, I'm trying to be not insensitive to all the things that are happening around in the world because they're clearly bad things happening. But I look at this as like, I need to be hopeful and I'm eternally optimistic. If that's just who I am, that's how I'm wired. I look at like, oh my goodness, this is an opportunity to create stuff, create things that nobody's thinking about. And, and, and so this is a great opportunity. So I love when you said amateurs compete and professionals create. Yeah. I also love the big idea I'm here that I'm going to share from my personal perspective, which which you mentioned in terms of guardrails and accelerators. Put those in two different buckets. You got to do something to guard yourself, your career, your life, your professional, all those things. And then you need to start looking at accelerators. Don't try to just do one or the other, because that's when you lose sight of where you are and, and don't know how far you've gone on either side. So. But make sure that you you are kind of centered in between the idea of guardrails and accelerator. Almost like what I'm going to do is create a chart, guardrails and accelerators. I'm going to go to that link that you just mentioned and write down what are my guardrails and what are my accelerators. And I think that's going to help me. So everybody, please welcome to, to go do that. And then then finally, just, just before I turn it over to you, Whitney, for your like, one challenge that I would love for you to share that people can take action on, think about is that let's practice more grace. Let's just practice way more grace than we ever did because you made a couple of examples around child and how do you treat, you know, how do you expect and stuff. You're so right. I learned that with our own kids is like in the morning, now that I'm spending 30, 40 minutes directly with them, no phone, nothing with them is for the next four hours. They're perfectly fine. 
Then right around lunchtime, being like, hey, what's the one is going on fire and crazy. Yeah. Again, spend focus time with them, not with your phone and looking. They get it. They, they can sense you're not focused. But when you do that, it's beautiful. The relationship, everything gels. So I think when you just practice more grace with your coworkers, with your team, that be a lot of people have kids working from home, school from home, and both parents working. And we need to give people grace because you're, you're right. A lot of people, and I see myself dropping balls because I can't keep up with all the different things at this point. So that's my big request to everybody. So let's come back to you with a challenge for everybody. So, okay. So building on that idea of grace, then I'm going to give you a couple of um, suggestions for challenges. Then you can pick the one you want. Just remember. So when you're at the bottom of an S curve of learning, it's new. Like we are all brand new. And so usually you're going to have in life, a number of people who are in the sweet spot of the high end, and they can all kind of help juggle the balls. But when we're all at that launch point of the S curve, none of us know what we're doing. And so that's why the grace piece becomes really important. So on the challenges, I have a couple for you. One you can choose from, and I I talked about this earlier, is as soon as you're off, and you can even do it right now, is I want you to say out loud to yourself, I am hopeful for the future. In fact, I'm going to have you do it right now, so I'm going to say I am hopeful for the future. You feel different, right? Hopeful for the future. Yes. Yeah. And so I would really encourage everybody to do that. It just does. There's there's a power in those words. Um, The second thing that I would like to encourage all of you to do is um, do some type of uh, media fast, if you will. Um, It can be on Saturday. It can be on Sunday. But limit your intake of negative media. Because one of the things that's happening is when you're getting bombarded with it, it is overwhelming your brain and it's scaring you. So what I try to do is on Sundays, I try to not watch any media so that or or I only watch media that's going to be sort of uplifting and inspiring and nourishing. And so if you've been watching a lot of news, I would really strongly encourage you if you've been watching it four hours a day, watch it two hours. If you've been watching an hour, watch the half an hour. And that's going to make a big difference in your ability to disrupt yourself and move forward. And then the third um, third suggestion I would like to make is um, one of the things that all of us need right now is we need encouragement. And so when you see anybody do anything well, it can be a child, it can be a coworker, do the thing that you feel like you don't want to do because we're all a little bit scared. And when we're scared, we don't want to give compliments. Give the compliment. Just call it out and say, that was a great question. Um, I saw how you did X. And as we are generous with our praise, that sense that there is going to be enough will start to build. And it will have an exponential effect and very, very powerful as it will become an important guardrail as we move into tomorrow and the next day and the next day. I love that. So here's my praise for you. You did a great job. We're helping just uplift and the child analogy of all of these examples clearly, you know, hit a string with hit the cord with almost every, a lot of people here on this list. So thank you again for being so generous with your time and, and all the ideas and thoughts that you shared with. Oh, Songram, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. So um, so best of luck in doing these fun LinkedIn lives. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And for everybody, um, next up, we're going to have Daniel Pink coming up on, um, you, you, I'm sure you, you have, yeah. you, you have yeah. conversations yeah. with him as well uh, on April 20th. And uh, so everybody just look out for that. 
Um, and again, just that just spread more hope as as Whitney said out there. And go check out WhitneyJohnson.com slash com C A L M. We'll put this link on Flip My Funnel blog article as well as in here. So thank you everybody for joining. Have a wonderful time. Thank you, Whitney. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.